Hi, I'm Koi, your host for this episode of Crime Nerds. This episode is going to make you think twice about who you get in a car with. We used to be told not to ever get in a car with strangers. Now we use our smartphones to have a stranger come pick us up with different ride-sharing services. But what if the person picking you up has no intentions of letting you live past that one ride? This is the story about how an Uber driver terrorized a town for eight hours. This is the story of Jason Dalton and the Kalamazoo shootings. Kalamazoo, Michigan is the last place that you would expect something this bad to happen. The population is around 76,000 people and it has a Midwestern small town feel to it. It's a perfect place to live with a family. February 20th, 2016 started off as a normal day for Matt Mellon. He was at his house, but the day before he left his car at a friend's house. He requested an Uber to come pick him up to take him to his friend's house to get his car. At 4.21 p.m., he was picked up by an Uber driver named Jason Dalton, who was 46 years old. At the time, Jason was driving a silver Chevy Equinox. Jason had his dog in the back seat, so Matt climbed in the front passenger seat to sit next to Jason. While they're driving, Jason's son called, and Jason answered the phone over the Bluetooth speaker. His son was asking Jason if he wanted dinner. Then Jason hung up the phone. But the second that that phone hung up, everything changed. Jason pushed the gas down to the floor, and he began driving extremely fast down the small neighborhood road. Matt believed that they were going at least 80 to 90 miles an hour down this neighborhood. Jason's blowing through stop signs. Matt's yelling at him, trying to get out of the vehicle, pleading for Jason to stop the car. But the driving became more terrifying as Jason began driving into oncoming traffic. He swerved in and out of the cars. Jason finally brought the car to a screeching stop at a stop sign. Matt jumped out of the car and was able to call 911. He was able to give the dispatcher Jason's vehicle description and the license plate number. And police in the area were given a be on the lookout notification for the vehicle, but no one came across the vehicle. Around 4.34 p.m., Jason returned home. He called his wife, asking for the keys to their Hummer. She said the keys were with her, but she agreed to meet him at his parents' house about 15 minutes away, so that she could give the keys to him. Jason started driving over there, but he stayed logged into his Uber app, and at 5.15 he accepts another pickup request, this time at the Meadows apartment complex. 25-year-old Tiana Carthers was in the parking lot of the Meadows apartments. She was hanging out with her daughter outside because it was the first day in a while that the sun was out and it actually felt good to be outside. Her daughter also had some friends over, so everyone was playing out front. Jason accepted a ride request for a 15-year-old girl named Macy in the same apartment complex as Tiana. When Jason arrived, he kept driving around, but he couldn't find Macy anywhere. 
but he did find Tiana. Jason drove up to Tiana and asked her if she was Macy. She told him that she wasn't, and then he drove away. But he didn't go far enough. A few seconds later, he drove back around the corner towards Tiana at a high rate of speed. As he approached her, he slowed down, and then he pointed a handgun out the window at her. Tiana immediately began running and yelling for the children to run. Tiana could hear the shots fire from the gun as she ran. In total, Jason would fire 15 rounds towards her. Tiana was shot four times in both legs, her arm, and her back. As she fell to the ground, she tried to crawl under a car, and she kept hearing the gunshots come. Quickly, she thought that if she played dead, maybe Jason would stop shooting. And she was right, because as she laid still on the ground, Jason fled from the scene in the car. Neighbor after neighbor came out of their apartments rushing to Tiana's aid. Her only concern was that the neighbors make sure the children were okay, and luckily all of them were. Approximately one minute after the shooting, Jason drove through a red light and struck another vehicle. He of course didn't stop and he fled from this crash scene as well. Over the last few years, I've been writing a fictional book called One Moment, and it's now available on Amazon. It's based in St. Augustine, Florida, and it tells the story of Micah and Sarah. After spending six years in the army, Micah returned to his hometown. Returning home was never part of his plan, but after the physical, emotional, and mental stress from war, home was the best place for him. Sarah is beginning to put her life back together after escaping an abusive marriage. At 24 years old, She's a 911 dispatcher living in St. Augustine. While she is starting to heal, she crosses paths with Micah. Immediately, there is an undeniable connection between the two of them, and they know that they were put in each other's lives for a reason. When Sarah's jealous and abusive ex-husband finds out about the new relationship, he has to get involved himself. While this puts a strain on Sarah and Micah's relationship, dark secrets begin to come out, and they learn that Maybe you never truly know someone, and sometimes the best and the worst things in life can all be traced back to one moment. One Moment's available now on Amazon. It's $9.99 for a paperback copy and $2.99 for an ebook. The Amazon link is in the show notes, and if you read it, I really hope you enjoy it, and please let me know what you think of it. He met up with his wife and children at his parents' house. Now he has to explain the damage to the vehicle to his wife. Jason said that he was sideswiped by an angry taxi driver. The taxi driver then started to shoot at him because he was angry that he was losing business to Uber drivers. He told his wife that he reported the incident to Uber and that they were handling the shooting incident and not law enforcement because that makes complete sense. Jason told her that it wasn't safe for her to be at the house without a gun, so he handed her a 9mm Taurus handgun. He then told her that she shouldn't go to work the next day and that the children shouldn't go to school. As he was leaving, he told his wife, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do, 
but when you watch the news tonight, you'll know it was me. Jason then tried to leave in the Hummer, but it wouldn't start. So he took a black Chevy HHR that his wife normally used. And this was a big moment in this case because the cops were all over the city looking for the silver Chevy Equinox. But now Jason's driving a completely different car. At 6.44 p.m., Jason withdrew money from an ATM. Then he went to his house and he switched handguns. Around 7.37 p.m., he started taking Uber requests again. But he completed a few of these rides without any issues. In fact, the passengers he had at the time didn't even notice anything that seemed off with him. Some even said that while they were driving, he was singing to the radio. Around 10 p.m., 53-year-old Richard Smith was at a Kia dealership looking at vehicles with his 17-year-old son, Tyler Smith. Tyler was so excited. It was getting close to time for him to get his own truck, and he saw a used truck at the Kia dealership earlier in the day, and he really liked it, and he just wanted to show his dad the truck. So Richard agreed that they would go look at the truck, and that's what brought them to the dealership late at night. Just a father and son spending time together looking at trucks. And Tyler's girlfriend, Alexis, she was also with them. But it was really cold out that night. And she decided that she was going to stay in the car while they went and looked at the truck. Jason pulled into the parking lot of the Kia dealership. He approached Richard and Tyler, asked them what they were looking at. One of them said, the blue truck. And that's all that they were able to say before Jason started shooting. He fired 18 rounds, killing both Richard and Tyler. Alexis was still in the car, terrified at what she just witnessed. She ducked down in the back of the car, hoping that Jason didn't see her. On top of her not getting out of the car because it was cold, she also didn't have her cell phone with her that night. And you've gotta wonder, if she had it on her, would she have been on the phone while she was waiting in the car? Would the glow of the light have caught Jason's attention and she would have become a victim also? But luckily, Jason didn't see her. After the shooting, he walked back to his car and drove off. When Jason left, Alexis got out of the car. She ran over, grabbed the phone out of Tyler's pocket and called 911. And the cops, they were also getting tons of 911 calls about this because right across from the Kia dealership, was a Burger King and a lot of people at the Burger King witnessed the shooting and they had a description of the car that left. About 10 minutes later the third and final shooting of the night happened. Police were still on scene gathering all the details from witnesses and evidence that they could from the Kia dealership shooting when this third shooting happened. Mary Jo Nye, Mary Lou Nye, Dorothy Brown, Barbara Hawthorne were all really good friends. Abigail Kopp, she was 14 years old, and her family was really close to Barbara. In fact, Abigail was so close with Barbara that she referred to Barbara as her grandmother. They all met at their tractor barrel for dinner, and then they took one car together to a live theater performance. After the performance, they drove back to Cracker Barrel and were getting ready to go their separate ways. Two vehicles were parked next to each other, Mary Lou was in her van, and the others were parked in the car right next to it. Jason drove up, and then he just began shooting at the van. 
Then he shot at the car. By the end of it, he had shot everyone. Mary Jo, Mary Lou, Dorothy, and Barbara were all killed in the shooting. Initially, police believed that Abigail was killed also. She suffered a gunshot wound to the head. ABC News reported that Abigail was rushed to the hospital and her parents were contacted. While at the hospital in the ICU, her heart stopped. Medical staff, they tried doing CPR, but nothing was changing on the monitors. After some time, the doctors and nurses, they had to quit CPR. They started unplugging the ventilator and other equipment that was hooked up to Abigail. A blanket was placed over Abigail, covering all the way up to her neck and her mother, Vicky began to say her goodbyes. As she was talking to Abigail, she lay down and she placed her head on Abigail's chest, telling Abigail that she loved her. And then she heard what she thought was a heartbeat. She yelled for a nurse and the nurse came back in the room. And then the nurse heard the heartbeat also. She began hooking the machines back up and she yelled for the other doctors and nurses to come back because Abigail, was alive. She would go on to have a long road of recovery after that, but she did survive. Back on the streets, police believed that there was a mobile active shooter, as witnesses from both scenes described the dark-colored Chevy HHR. Police sent out bulletins on social media for people in the area to be on the lookout for the vehicle. Several traffic stops were conducted on any vehicle that matched that description, but none of them were the right car. While police continued their search for the shooter, little did they know that Jason continued picking up Uber passengers. Just after midnight, he took three people to college dorms. Around 12.12 a.m., he picked up four people and drove them to their hotel where one of the passengers had seen the reports about the shootings and even joked with Jason asking if he was the shooter, which Jason only responded by saying no. A few minutes later, he picked up three more people, and again, one of them asked if he was the shooter. Just a quick tip, if you're ever in a place where reports start coming out of a shooter, someone hurting people, and you're given information like this is an uber driver and they're driving this certain type of car don't order an uber or whatever services that they're warning you about and if you do and the person shows up driving the same kind of car that would be a great time not to get in a car with a stranger around 12:36 in the morning a police sergeant with kalamazoo county sheriff's office saw a vehicle matching the description of the shooter's vehicle the vehicle dropped off three passengers, and the sergeant continued to follow the car and requested backup. A few minutes later, they conducted a traffic stop on the vehicle. Jason exited the vehicle and surrendered to police. At the time, he was wearing a bulletproof vest, and he had a gun in his waistband. But this is far from over, because Jason would go on to tell investigators exactly why he committed these shootings, and it's just something that you will not believe. If you have trouble sleeping at night that's mostly caused by stress or anxiety, you're not alone. Recently, I started sleeping with a Luna weighted blanket, and at first I was very skeptical of buying one, but it's worked wonders for me and I sleep so much better with it. 
A weighted blanket simulates what's called pressure stimulation, a therapeutic technique that's used with massage therapy and support animals to reduce stress and anxiety. If you'd like to try a Luna blanket, the Amazon link is in the show notes. They have all kinds of different sizes and designs, so prices do vary depending on what you want. And as a disclaimer, this is an affiliate link, so I may receive a small commission from Amazon, which will go to help this show out. It's finally time for you to get a good night's sleep. Now, back to the show. Jason confessed to the shootings. That wasn't an issue. The Detroit Free Press reported that Jason claimed that the Uber app on his iPhone directed him on when to shoot people. He said that he was prepared to get into a shootout with police on the traffic stop, but the Uber app told him not to do it. He then said that the Uber logo resembled a devil head, and he believed that it was the Eastern Star. He described the logo as a horned cow head, and then the app would take over his whole body and it controlled him like a puppet. He said that when the Uber app turned from red to black, that's when it started controlling him. But if it turned from black to red, he was himself again. That alone makes it seem like Jason has some sort of mental health issues that are going on. But this was the first time that anyone saw any signs that there may be a problem. But maybe to understand what was happening now, you have to take a look back at his life. Jason was born June 22, 1970 in Greenfield, Indiana. His family moved to Kalamazoo and he graduated high school in 1989. He then attended Kalamazoo Valley Community College and he graduated in 1992 with an associate's degree in law enforcement, but he never enrolled in the police academy to become state certified. I'm not sure if Jason applied for the academy and didn't get in, or if he was looking for a law enforcement agency to work for that would pay for him to go to the academy, but a friend of Jason said that he did try and get a job as a police officer in Michigan and other nearby states, but several agencies refused to hire him. He ended up working as a mechanic and then later on became an insurance adjuster. Jason met Carol in 1995 and they ended up getting married and had two children together. At the time that Jason started this killing spree, his kids were only 15 and 10 years old. And Carol actually filed for a divorce the very next week after the shootings. Family members and friends, they were shocked at the news. He was described as being a nice man and a family man. People did say that just days before the shooting, he began acting a little different. He seemed depressed. One of the neighbors even described him as being paranoid. A former co-worker of Jason's from the insurance company said that they remembered seeing Jason yell at a customer over the phone. He slammed the phone down and then began walking angrily around the desk. And for that incident, Jason ended up being counseled on how to be professional with customers. On February 22, 2016, Jason Dalton appeared in court for the first time and he was arraigned on 16 charges, 6 counts of murder, 2 counts of attempted murder, and 8 counts of using a firearm during the commission of a felony. On March 3rd, he was ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation, which he appeared in court again on April 22nd and it was ruled that he was competent to stand trial. 
on May 20th, Jason was in court again. This time, they were doing a hearing to see if there was enough evidence to continue with the charges that he was charged with. During this hearing, Tiana, the first victim that Jason shot, she took the stand to testify. While she was on the stand, Jason began interrupting her, yelling. Jason had to be drugged out of the courtroom by the deputy sheriffs. A recess was called, and the hearing resumed later in the day, but Jason was not in the courtroom. Instead, he was back at the jail and watching from a TV. On June 6, Jason's attorney said that their plan was to present a legal insanity defense and that Jason would undergo a 60-day psychiatric evaluation. The evaluation kept getting delayed, then one hearing after another kept delaying the trial. But finally, in January of 2019, a jury was selected for trial. And the trial date was set for January 7th. But the jury wouldn't be needed. On January 7th, as everyone was preparing for this trial, Jason decided to plead guilty to all counts against him. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Abigail ended up spending two months in the hospital after nearly dying. Doctors were concerned that she may have been left brain dead after she spent time in a coma, but she made a recovery. In a 2016 interview with ABC News, Abigail said that she hopes to do cartwheels again one day, but for now, she just sees herself as a warrior princess. And this brings us to a conclusion of this episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Crime Nerds Podcast. If you could, please subscribe and leave a rating and review for the show. And thank you so much for listening.